This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. But here we are in the final week of our series called Family on Mission. And we've talked a lot. And so if you haven't been here, I want to again encourage you to go back uh, either on our website or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and find these messages and uh, take some time listening to them and watching them. Because this series isn't just for parents. And I know it's really easy to think, oh, this is just for parents. I don't, I don't got to pay attention. Uh, but I want to remind us that our faith is not lived out in isolation. Our faith is a communal faith and that we're actually instructed as followers of Christ to actually come alongside each other and to bear one another's burdens, as it says in Galatians 6.2. And we're, we're called to not only look out for our own interests, but also the interest of others, as it says in Philippians 2.4. So even if you're not a parent, my guess is that you probably know at least one parent. And parenting's hard and we need help. I need all the help I can get to be the dad that God has called me to be. And so even if you think this series doesn't directly apply to you, I can tell you that it does because we are all in this together. On top of that, when you boil all of these teachings down that Brett and I have done over this past month, it's not really foundationally about family discipleship. When you boil it all down, it really comes down to discipleship. These principles are not just for families, but for all believers who have been given the mandate to go and make disciples. And so I want to encourage us to really think about that, what these principles mean, not just for families, but for all of us as followers of Christ. And so, so far in this series, we've talked about the right design and how God has designed uh, the parents to be the primary mode of discipleship in the lives of their children just as all believers have been designed to be disciple makers in their communities and where they live, work, and play. Uh, We've talked about uh, how we need to have the right priorities of our faithfulness to God needs to be first, our faithfulness to our spouse, faithfulness to our children in that order. Uh, We've talked about the right target to be aiming for, which is first and foremost cultivating faith, but then also cultivating maturity in the lives of our children. And then last week, we talked about the right mindset. We talked about how we as parents must change our mindset from demanding obedience from our children to training up our children. We talked about how our mindset must change from pointing them away from the world and the way that they shouldn't go and how we should be pointing them toward a relationship with Jesus in the way that they should go. And then we looked at the fact that we must change our mindset from these immediate results, that immediate obedience, we must change that mindset to an eternal mindset. And ultimately, we have to be trusting God with our children. And as we come to a close of this series, I have a concern. You know, I've loved hearing all the stories of intentionality that I've heard from parents or grandparents or even non-parents about how important this mandate is and how we can better pursue this in our lives. 
But my concern is that so often our focus is just a matter of proximity. And here's what I mean by that, that that many of us are taking up this mantle of family discipleship because we are in the middle of a series about family discipleship. And my concern is, is that as we get further away, as we get into this next week, or as we, as we dive headfirst into a weighty book of revelation, uh, that, 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 our, that our primary job as parents to disciple our children and our primary job as followers of Christ to go and make disciples will begin to wane. And so today I want us to consider this question. How do I keep going? You know, my oldest son, Jonathan, he, he just turned seven this past May. He came to know Christ last October. And so how do I disciple my son long term? You know, I have 11 years until he turns 18. How do I keep going for that long? Let alone considering my youngest son, Isaac, turns three in October. There's another four years on top of that. Add on top of that the fact, ask any parent of a 19, 20, 40, 50-year-old, you never stop discipling your parents or your, 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 your children. How, <laughs> Mom and dad, sorry, we got, no. Uh, how do I stay focused for that long? How do I stay on track for the next 30, 40, even 50 years? I mean, seriously, Jesus only had to do it for three, right? So how do I stay on track for that long? The question is this, how do I sustain a long-term discipleship relationship with my children? And when I start to begin to, and when I begin to ask myself that question, it's easy for me to start thinking about plans and how to set rhythms in, in, in my family's lives. It's easy for me to start thinking about making room in our calendar for me to have uh, intentional time with, with Jonathan and Isaac where we're digging into God's word and I'm teaching them how to read scripture. It's, it's easy for me to start scouring different websites for, for children's books that point my boys back to Christ. It's easy for me to start thinking about all these logistics. And while all of those things are great rhythms in the life of a family and and, and honestly would help me in my pursuit to disciple my boys, I have to confess my nature is actually to skip a step, a step that I think is more important than anything else. And so if you think back to last week, I know it was a long time ago, when we were talking about the importance of training up our children instead of only commanding obedience, I I used the example of Jesus uh, discipling his uh, disciples in the area of prayer. And we saw this, the slide is up on the screen, that, that, that Jesus modeled a life of prayer for his disciples, then he taught his disciples about prayer, then he showed his disciples how to pray, and then he finally encouraged his disciples to continue praying. And my question for us is, did you catch that first step? Before Jesus ever taught on prayer, gave examples of prayer, or encouraged his disciples to pray, he first modeled a life of prayer. And it wasn't just in this one area that he did this. He did this in all areas of life. I put a few examples in your note guide, and they're, they're up on the screen. We see Jesus modeled uh, full dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He modeled the centrality of prayer through his life and ministry. He modeled for us the importance of obedience to the Father. He modeled the role that God's word must have in our lives. He modeled a pattern of exalting the Father in every area of life. And lastly, well, not lastly, in the, lastly in the examples, he modeled what it looks like to be intentional with our lives and with our relationships. So this brings us to truth point number one this morning. Before he taught 
on loving God, or before he taught on anything, before he trained his disciples, Jesus modeled a life of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving his neighbor as himself. And yet here I sit so often thinking about how I can teach my boys or show my boys how to do something or encourage them to do something when I myself am not first striving to model it for them in my own life. Because, of the, truth, because the truth of the matter is this, church. Jesus modeled a life of loving God and loving others. And then he says, follow me. He says, do what I did. Follow in my footsteps. Teach what I taught. Be like me. And so why do I think I can disciple my boys to follow Jesus if I'm not first seeking to be their example in what it looks like to follow Jesus? Honestly, it makes me think of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 where he, he, he invites the Corinthian church. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let's stop and think about that for a second, because if you think about it, you might, did Paul really just say that? Did he invite the church at Corinth to imitate him? I mean, aren't we supposed to be imitating Jesus? Doesn't that sound kind of arrogant, maybe? Doesn't that sound maybe borderline blasphemous to say, hey, imitate me? But the the thing is, is that's not the only place he says that. 1 Corinthians 4.16, just a few chapters before, Paul says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. And then also in Philippians 3.17, he said, brothers, join in imitating me. And then again in Philippians 4.9, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. However, I don't think Paul is being arrogant in that statement or just so we're all clear, blasphemous in any way. This is the word of God, so we have to be, make sure we, we understand that. I think Paul is communicating a very important truth that I think any of us in any position of authority or leadership need to realize. Paul realized that the people in these churches were already looking to him as an example. He knew that. In fact, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 15 through 17, Paul, Paul talks about and recognizes the fact that he is the spiritual father to these people. And as their father, they are looking to his example already. And so he uses that authority and that position of, of, of leadership that he has, not just to command obedience, but also to point them through his own example to the one that they should be following. Paul understood this simple truth that I think I struggle to live out. Children imitate their parents. Children imitate their parents. And so parents, spiritual parents, elders, deacons, life group leaders, ABF teachers, bosses, managers, or any person here with any kind of authority over another person, my question for you is what are you modeling? Because people are looking to you as an example. Your children, your grandchildren, your employees, your ABF class, your, your life group members, people in this very room, your, even your employees at work are looking to you as an example. And we know, the phrases ring true, that actions speak louder than words. More is caught than what is taught. And so if you aren't modeling for those people what it looks like to follow Christ, you might just be spinning your wheels a little bit. You know, I, I, I remember growing up. My parents are here. They're probably, uh-oh, what's he going to say? 
Every morning during the school year, I would wake up, I would get ready for school, I would brush my teeth, comb my hair, make sure I looked like the specimen you see before me. And then I would go upstairs for breakfast before I would leave for school. And church, this image is just burned into my brain. I remember that I would often come upstairs and the, the entire top level of our house would be completely dark, except for one light that would be on above the counter in our dining room. And I would come upstairs and that light would be on and I would see one of two things happening. Not every morning, but quite a few mornings. I would come up and I would see either my mom or dad sitting at the counter reading their Bible or I would see their Bible either open or closed sitting on the counter and I remember that it was not there the night before. You know, I don't remember very many Sunday school lessons where we talked about the importance of reading our Bibles. I don't, I don't, I don't remember a specific, a specific time when my parents sat me down and explained to me the importance of reading our Bibles. I don't remember a time them even commanding me to go and read my Bible. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying I don't remember it. But I will never forget the example, the model that my parents gave me about the importance of spending time with God through the reading of his word. And parents, the same is true for you. Whether or not you, you like it, whether or not you're a good example or a good model, you are inviting your children to imitate you as you imitate Christ. And so the question then is, if they are, if you are, all, if they are already going to imitate you, are you imitating? Are you following Christ? Are you modeling for your children, biological children or spiritual children, like Paul sought to model for the churches he was writing to? Are you modeling for your children like Jesus modeled for his disciples? Truth point number three. As we seek to teach our children about following Christ, we must also model for them what it looks like to follow Christ. And honestly, as a parent, if I think about that for too long, I begin to have a panic attack. It becomes overwhelming. Anybody else like, oh yeah, I, I can't do that. Yep, like I, saw, I saw that hand in the back. Yes, that is quickly overwhelming. The responsibility that is there to try and live up to that standard. Because let's be honest, that is a very tall order and something that I'm not capable of. As a pastor, as a father or a husband, people are looking to me to show them what it means to follow Jesus. And I fail so very much. I feel like I fall short of that example each and every day. And so I want to make sure that we know something, church. When Paul invites the church at Corinth and Philippi and even Thessalonica to come and imitate him, he's not saying that he's the perfect example of what it means to follow Jesus. Even in Philippians 3, uh, right before he invites them, uh, the church to imitate him in verse 17, he says this in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for that prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Even in his perfection, he is pointing these spiritual children of his back to Christ. And so we must do the same. Truth point number four is this. Even in our imperfection, we must model what it looks like to follow Jesus through confession, through repentance, and asking for 
forgiveness. How do we do that? How do we live as an example and model for those in our lives looking to us? How do we also continue to disciple our children and others for the rest of our lives? It doesn't have to do with a certain program. It doesn't have to do with a certain book or following a specific strategy or, or hitting the right milestones or, or, or step-by-step following this guide. I believe Jesus gives us the answer in John 15. He starts in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We see here in John 15 that the responsibility of producing fruit in my life belongs not to me, but to the vine that belongs to Jesus. And we see that our only responsibility is this. Truth point number five. Our primary responsibility as followers of Christ is to abide in Christ. We cannot bear fruit on our own. Our only hope of seeing fruit in our lives is to abide in Christ. And so really quickly, with the little time we have left, I, 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 there's two things that I want to communicate. There's not two things in this passage. There's probably like 157 things in this passage that we could dig into. But two things this morning that I want to point us to as we seek to abide in Christ and invite those around us to imitate us as we imitate Christ. Two things. Number one, to abide in Christ, you must be connected to the vine. And so parents, we have to start here. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I know. I know I'm talking to a room full of people that have been in church for a very long time. I know I'm talking to a group of people that have probably been going to church a lot longer than I've even been alive. But we all know the saying, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. And so do you actually know Christ as your Savior? Or are you just sitting here week in, week out playing holiness? That is my greatest fear for some of us in this room is that we come here and we sit in these pews and we sing the songs and we raise our hands and we go to our Bible studies. We may even lead those Bible studies. We may even lead an ABF or a life group. We may teach, we may disciple people, but we never came to know Christ as our Savior. And all we're doing is just sitting here playing holiness. In order to abide in Christ, you must be connected to the vine. And in order for you to be connected to the vine, you must know the vine, the vine dresser who grafts you into that vine. And the only way for you to know the vine dresser is through accepting Christ as your Savior, repenting of your sins, and following after Jesus. I think Jesus says it clearly in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the vine dresser except through me. And so if you want to abide in Jesus, if you want to bear fruit, if you want to be the example that those around you need to point them towards Jesus, you must be connected to the vine. Number two, to abide in Christ, you must depend on the vine. And I'm preaching to the choir here. Once you are connected to the vine, it is now through the vine that you receive life and spiritual nourishment. And so I ask all of us, Are we depending on Jesus 
for life and spiritual nourishment. Not just for salvation, but for every aspect of life. Because the gospel, church, isn't something that you move on from. It's not something you move past. Another story from my childhood, me and my older brother, Eric, we would, we would watch these creation videos. They were great videos. We, I enjoyed them. But the, the story has to do at the end of each of those videos, the, the guy who was presenting it would get up on the screen and he would present the gospel. Every single video. And there was probably like 15 of these videos. And I remember one time um, I finally had control of the remote which rarely happened in our house. And so we got to that part and I started to, to, to fast forward and get us to this n- next one. And my, my, my brother goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And I go, Eric, I know this stuff. I don't need it. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He looked at me and he goes, you always need the gospel. You see, the gospel is never something you move beyond, but it is only something that you move deeper into. And so, believer, are you dependent on the vine like a branch is dependent on the trunk of a tree? Continuing to receive the nutrients of grace that flow freely to any and all that are connected to it. Are you spending time daily hearing from God, communing with God, and talking with God? Are you daily preaching the gospel and reminding yourself of the grace that is now at work in your life? Are you seeking for the gospel to completely, radically transform your life through complete and utter dependence on him? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning, following, and dwelling with Christ? Or are you hard at work trying to earn your favor? trying to produce your own fruit? Do you have time where it's just you and God together, where you remove the distractions, you turn off the TV, you put the phone down, and you give your Savior your undivided attention? Or are you too busy? Parents, I get it. Got to get the kids to soccer practice. Got to go drop off those treats for snack time. Got to do this, got to do that. But the honest truth is, is that if you're too busy to spend time with God, you are too busy. Just like Jesus says in verse 5 of John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so apart from abiding in Christ, apart from depending completely on your connection to God through the vine, you can do nothing. There is nothing more important in the life of any believer than abiding in Christ. And you can't, de- you can't abide in Christ if you aren't depending on Christ. And you can't depend, in Christ, depend on Christ if you don't first have a relationship with Christ. Because abiding in Christ means depending on the vine. And so parents, that's where it all begins. It doesn't begin with your plans. It doesn't begin with logistics. It doesn't depend and start with you trying to remove stuff from your calendar. If you want to disciple your children, if you want to model for them what it looks like to follow Jesus... You must be diligent to daily, hour by hour, moment by moment, sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's our last truth point for today. We must be diligent if we want to disciple our children, if we want to model for them what it looks like to follow Jesus, we must be diligent to sit at the feet of Jesus. Easy to say, so easy to say, so very hard to do. And I feel that tug. I honestly do. These past few weeks as I've prepared sermons and have been getting ready for the fall as we've tried to meet with students who are mourning the loss of a friend, I get it. Parents, we're tugged and pulled in so many different directions. We're tugged and and pulled to try and do more, make it happen on our own. But I keep hearing those words of Jesus to abide in me. 
This is the first, and I believe, the greatest step in being a family on mission. Parents who are abiding in Christ, that are then, through abiding in Christ and the, through the fruit that God is producing in your life, even in our failures, to then invite our children to come. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you have questions about anything, like I said, there's a lot more there. I would love to get together with you. I would love to buy you coffee. Or if you're feeling extra nice, I'd let you buy me lunch. <laughs> I would love to get together to pray with you, to talk through this, to help you in any way that I can, to hear from you words of wisdom that you may have from me, a dad who's trying to accomplish this in his own life. But I want to end this series today just a little differently. And so if you're a parent here this morning, I want to invite you to stand up. I know, it's kind of awkward. If you're a parent here, whether you're a parent of a young child or you have a parent or, or, or you're a parent of kids that are out of the house, please stand. That's quite a few of us. If you're not a parent, but you know a parent, or if you consider yourself a spiritual parent to somebody, I want to invite you to stand. Because this, is, this series has been all about a, a family on mission. And we've been talking about the, the biological family a lot. But this church is what it looks like to be a family on mission. We are a family of God seeking to encourage one another, to disciple one another, to point each other back to Christ. And so I'm going to pray for us as family as parents, biological parents who are pointing their kids towards Christ. I'm going to pray for us who have spiritual children that we are trying to invest with. I'm going to pray for us as we seek to point the people of God, the people that God has placed in our lives, back to him. But before I pray, you guys have seen these ping pong balls up here week in and week out. I have one right here. I want to encourage you, after this service, come up and grab one. I'm a big fan of reminders. In fact, we see, we see the nation of Israel often given reminders, whether that's through different feasts or through different uh, festivals that they're supposed to celebrate, even, even different uh, monuments that they create as they're making their way to the promised land. They set up these reminders. And so I'm huge about setting up reminders, whether it's on my phone or on my mirror in my bathroom or even little things like this reminders of what I'm supposed to be all about. So I want to encourage you, come up, the, the, the lids are off these, come and grab one and just take it home. Maybe you want to write one of the reminders on here that, that you've been given through this series. Like I'm going to write, write on mine, abide in Christ, because I so often try and do this by myself. But take this home, put it in a prominent place, in, like maybe up on your mantle ab above your fireplace or wherever it is that you'll see it and remind yourselves of the mission that God has given us. And so I, I want to close, like I said, in just praying for us. I would encourage you, put your arm around the person next to you or lay hands on the parent in front of you or whatever that looks like. But I just want to pray for us as we close this morning. Holy Father, God, parenting is so very hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I need you. We need, we need help to prioritize the right thing. And that, like we've talked about this morning, it's not, it's not following a certain program, but God, it's ultimately all about us following you. And from our relationship with you stems the example that we are to those around us. So I pray for these individuals, whether they're biological parents or spiritual parents, that they would be faithful, not to meeting with their, their, their uh, spiritual or biological children, but God, I pray that they would be faithful to you, for them to sit at your feet and to learn from you, and that they would come to know you more, and that through that relationship, they can be the example that you have called them to be. God, we love you and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.